Hi, I'm Bill Wiley. I'm Stephen Dell. And I'm Rob Weinstock. And we're the co-chief medical editors of Cataract and Refractive Surgery Today. Hello. Hi. Howdy. Hey. Welcome and good day, podcast listeners. It's Laura Straub, Editor-in-Chief of CRST, back with another episode of CRST, the podcast. This episode, we're exploring words. More specifically, how words matter when educating your refractive surgery patients. Let's dive right in and find out how some of your colleagues are using the right messaging and language to help patients along their surgical journey. Anyone out there get the sense that enthusiasm for refractive surgery is high right now? Colmenar Kraft, Director of Refractive Surgery at Kraft Eye Institute in Chicago, kicks off our episode by discussing the three factors he's noticed influencing the resurgence in refractive surgery interest, even in the time of COVID-19. In early 2020, LASIK procedure volume in business appeared to be on an upswing. Industry numbers were showing treatment volumes in January and February on an upward trend compared to 2019. Then, in the middle of March, the COVID-19 pandemic changed the world. Most ophthalmologists, eye care practitioners, and almost all so-called non-essential medical workers were forced to shut down. Practices that specialized in refractive surgery and commercial LASIK centers were not spared. The uncertainty of what a medical practice might look like on the other side of COVID-19 shutdown was frightening. Historically, LASIK has been a consumer-driven procedure. LASIK surgery had seen a rapid growth in the late 1990s and then an acute reduction with the bursting of the internet bubble in the early 2000s. This was followed by another significant cycle of procedure volume growth, and then another reduction following another bubble bursting with the great financial crisis of 2007 and 2008. Finally, after a decade of volume stagnation, procedure volume was again trending up as the demographic driver changed to the millennial generation. Many felt that the COVID-19 pandemic would significantly reduce LASIK procedure volume as in previous economic crises. This feeling was primarily based on our knowledge that LASIK and refractive surgery are mainly driven by consumer sentiment and require significant discretionary income. To the surprise of many industry experts, including medical equipment manufacturers, commercial LASIK operators, and independent physician LASIK center owners, procedure volume has been robust with a renewed level of enthusiasm. Many haven't seen such enthusiastic growth since before the 2007-2008 financial crisis. The cause is probably multifactorial or, as some might say, a perfect storm of converging factors. It seems that three main factors contributed to this perfect storm of resurgence and LASIK enthusiasm. Financial motivators, which also always play a significant role, lifestyle changes, and safety concerns. Over the past several years, there has been a clear demographic shift to the millennial generation, 80 million strong, as the main group of patients pursuing LASIK. Although this has been a challenging population 
to consistently market to, many of these individuals meet the economic and clinical criteria for a good LASIK candidate. The millennial demographic was clearly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. In mid-March, most non-essential workers started working from home. Most of this group of potential refractive surgery patients did not lose their jobs. They did not leave their houses. Their meetings with co-workers occurred via Zoom. Their screen time increased, and their workday became potentially indefinite. Financial motivations for this massive group of patients during the pandemic-associated lockdowns are based on a lack of places to spend their disposable income. Almost overnight, many millennials had income to spend. Vacations and spring breaks were canceled. Couples with young kids had little to no childcare costs due to the closing of daycare centers nationwide. Summer camps were canceled. Gym memberships, personal fitness fees, and other monthly memberships were gone. There were no weddings or bachelor parties to attend. And on top of all that, there was a stimulus check with an extra $1,200. Because everyone was working from home, there was no need to spend money on clothes, no need to get expensive haircuts, manicures, pedicures, or significant personal grooming. No morning Starbucks, no happy hours after work, no concerts, sporting events, or any type of live entertainment to attend. All these monthly reductions in monthly spending, painful though some might have been, freed up significant disposable income that is now being used for many for LASIK surgery. A second factor that set up the perfect storm for refractive surgery volume to increase had to do with all the extra time at home with individuals staring at their computer, phone, and tablet screens. People soon began to realize that staring at a screen all day resulted in increased eye fatigue. This was even more significant for those wearing contact lenses. It is not uncommon for patients to cite dry eyes from their contacts and the extra time they currently have as motivators for seeking LASIK. In consultations, patients often say that mask requirements have led to them steaming up their glasses. This is quite frustrating for patients and has been an unexpected and surprising motivator. The third motivator is the safety aspect, the possibility of viral transmission through hand-eye contact. Early in the pandemic, several articles hit the media suggesting that the novel coronavirus could pass via the tear film. Thanks to the media, patients became very aware of this potential route of transmission. Our staff continues to field questions about viral transmissions through hand-eye contact daily. Although the tears are probably not a significant likely source of transmission, this seems to be one of the factors that has further motivated prospective LASIK patients. As we move through the summer and enter the fall, it will be interesting to see if this enthusiasm for refractive surgery continues to hold up. As mentioned previously, refractive surgery has historically been driven by consumer confidence and upbeat economic sentiment. With ongoing economic uncertainty, the potential for sustained job furloughs and layoffs, and the continual potential for resurgence in viral spread. It's hard to imagine that this perfect storm of LASIK enthusiasm will last, but we all hope that the storm continues to surge. Thanks, Dr. Kraft. 
We're all hoping that the interest in refractive surgery holds up through the fall and winter months. And if it does, wouldn't it be nice to be armed with some new tactics for talking to patients about refractive surgery? Let's listen in as Andres Bonatti, co-founder and chief operating officer of Ophthalmo University in Argentina, Amir H. Marvasti, cataract, cornea, and refractive surgeon at Coastal Vision Medical Group in Orange County, California, and Jared R. Younger, cataract, cornea, and refractive surgeon at Orange Coast Eye Center in Fountain Valley, California, share their secrets for setting the stage with patients. Recently, communications specialist Mark Castro of Lugo, Spain, presented an extraordinary webinar at Ophthalmo University about human communication. One of her statements I thought was brilliant. Our communication skills are going to influence our patients. Today, the refractive surgeon who does not understand that communication is a vital element of practice is at disadvantage. Among the different types of communication we carry out daily in our office, communication with our patient is without doubt the most important. The medical consultation in its four stages, reception, obtaining information, exploration and explanation, must achieve a key component, empathy between the doctor and the patient. Achieving this is the basis of the doctor-patient relationship. It is essential to adopt specific behaviors in order to accomplish this connection. We must look into the patient's eyes. Yes, this sounds ironic for an ophthalmologist whose job is to look into the eyes, but it's true. We must achieve connection with our patients by looking at them. Visual contact must be fluid and at the same time respectful. And we must actively listen to what patients are saying. They must feel that they are being heard and that their story is important to their surgeon. We must listen to their doubts, their fears, and above all, to the expectation they have regarding the future following surgery. We must also display a moderate smile and an open facial expression to make patients feel comfortable and thus connect better with the prospective surgeon. Our tone of voice and gestures should be relaxed and indicate that we are showing interest in what patients are telling us. When we explain a procedure to patients, it's vital to do it kindly and without haste or anxiety regarding what is being communicated. We must describe the experience in such a way that patients manage to understand point by point what is being detailed. Remember, the refractive surgeon must always communicate the possibility of complication and undesired results of surgery. Doing this in the right way will generate confidence on the part of patients. It will show them honesty and responsibility. Finally, don't forget that refractive surgery is elective surgery most of the time, and it's patients who choose their surgeon. Beyond the academic training and experience that we professionals may have, the empathy that patients end up achieving with us will be the key to our having the honor of becoming the researcher. Messaging is a crucial part of the refractive surgery experience, and it starts before the surgeon sees the patient. 
the language used on your practice's website, and words chosen by the personnel in your call center, your technicians, and your support staff all supplement one another in creating your practice's message. Clear and consistent language helps patients understand what you are offering and what to expect throughout their refractive surgery journey. For example, in a typical consult, I use phrases such as stable nearsightedness and normal corneal map with healthy thickness. This terminology communicates to patients that we are evaluating their candidacy for a variety of refractive procedures, not just LASIK. During the consultation, my approach is to talk patients through the testing and exam findings using language that they can understand. Hearing some of the details of their examination helps them understand why they are or are not good candidates for refractive surgery. Corneal topography, corneal thickness, and the traffic light appearance of the Bellin Ambrosio display on Pentacam are easy to understand when explained properly. This communication serves as patient education, ensures patients that there is a process and rationale to determine candidacy, and makes a great transition into discussing refractive surgery options. After examination, I initiate a discussion for understanding the patient's refractive goals, discussing the procedures of choice, and counseling the patient on each procedure. This might be a quick discussion, like for instance, recommending LASIK for a young patient with stable mild myopia, or it might be a more involved one like choosing between cornea versus lens-based procedure for a presbyopic patient. It is important for patients to have a basic understanding of how the chosen procedure works. For laser vision correction, for example, I use phrases such as reshaping of your cornea, whereas for refractive cataract surgery, I will say, I'm replacing the cloudy lens with one that both clears your vision and corrects astigmatism. It is equally important to set appropriate postoperative expectations. In the case of LASIK, in a presbyopic patient, for instance, not educating that patient on the potential need for reading glasses postoperatively or not discussing blended vision options is an easy way to create dissatisfaction despite a perfect surgery. Therefore, I always discuss both short and long-term expectations. Finally, I remind our patients that the refractive state of their eyes and their vision goals might change as ocular maturity continues throughout life. And I reassure them that we will be there to meet their visual goals at each stage in their lives. Refractive surgeons have their own styles of patient education that they have honed over the course of their careers. They have a tool set based on their experience and database discussions for making recommendations to patients looking for a vision correction solution. In the challenging year of 2020, however, changed circumstances require us to rethink certain aspects of our patient consultations. As always, a clear, concise recommendation is key. Presenting simple options such as distance, vision correction with laser astigmatism management, or range of vision options offered by presbyopia correcting lenses helps patients choose. I believe it's best practice to give a patient two recommended options, or in some cases three. For example, in addition to the main recommendation, we may also note that a patient is a candidate for monovision based on previous contact lenses or laser vision correction. It helps to avoid getting wordy with technical details such as the specifics of the laser system or the lens implants. 
keep the discussion big picture and focus on your vision, plan, and target outcome. In this pandemic year, however, the other key to good messaging is to adapt our patient conversations to our new environment and to modify the discussion formats that we used previously. The consultations must, of course, retain the core information regarding examination and testing results and our refractive plan recommendations for each patient. But now we must be extra sensitive regarding safety. We must explain the new safety measures we have put in place in our office and the ambulatory surgery center or laser center where the patient's procedure will take place. A quick review of screening procedures, mask requirements, and the increased cleaning being performed by the staff can help to reassure patients. In this regard, I've now made a few messaging changes in my consultations. Instead of explaining the surgery center flow last in my conversation with patients, I now explain the precautions and the additional measures being taken at the ASC or laser suite first. When I walk into the exam room, my steps are now as follows. An introduction, brief summary of the main patient complaint or diagnosis, and then a jump into a discussion of how our office has been stepping it up in recent months with better scheduling, cleaning, and safety protocols. If the visit is a refractive consult, I add that yes, our center has been busy, flowing well the past few months. The addition of temperature checks, everyone wearing masks, and the use of our health questionnaire at check-in allows us to do surgery safely and efficiently. And I just pause and get back into the discussion of the vision plan. There are more stringent safety policies if a center is located within a hospital, but for outpatient ophthalmic ASCs and laser suites, this type of messaging can work well. Once patients hear your reassurance, they're more open to listening to the fun parts, talking about anatomy, lasers, lenses, and vision correction plans. The overall message today must be safety first. After that, we can discuss getting patients to their vision goal, using the latest technology with laser and or lens implants. Thanks guys. And finally, let's turn our attention across the pond to international colleague, Eric L. Mertens, medical director and physician CEO of Medipolis Antwerp Private Clinic in Belgium, who discusses how to advance the refractive surgery field without promoting one type of vision correction procedure over others. Refractive surgery took a giant leap forward in the 90s with the introduction of the eczema laser to correct refractive errors. At that time, each laser manufacturer promoted its specific brand and focused on the device's eye tracker efficiency and laser repetition rate, as if these were the most important factors to achieve the best postoperative results. More recently, with the introduction of presbyopia correcting IOLs, the industry marketing machine once again promoted different names, brands and types of IOLs such as bifocal, multifocal, trifocal, extended depth of focus, hybrid. The growing list can confuse even eye surgeons. In both of these circumstances, our patients are not interested in and or excited by these types of technology messaging. Instead of referencing these marketing points with our patients, refractive surgeons should focus on and market patient benefits. Ultimately, this strategy will drive growth in refractive surgery. 
our messaging to patients should be directed toward how their choice will affect their lifestyle. It is also important to avoid marketing one's promotional pricing and discounts. Advertising a discounted price for a limited time can create the impression of diminished quality or, even worse, suggest that patients routinely pay too much for our services. Have you ever seen plastic surgeons discount their prices? It should become the new normal to evaluate patients' eye conditions and expectations thoroughly before discussing surgical options, whether laser or lens-based. Just imagine that every patient is a family member sitting in front of you. What procedure would you propose to achieve excellent refractive results and satisfaction for your sister or your father? Everyone, your practice, your patients and your refractive surgery colleagues will benefit if we can all make the pond bigger. That's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard thus far, head on over to crstoday.com to read more articles from the issue. Until next time, goodbye. See you later. Take it easy. And remember, words matter.